A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello! Acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Su. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Positively Gam is sponsored by Vaseline. See how they are working towards equitable skincare for all at Vaseline.com. How many times have you been married? I've been married four times. Ooh, wedding bells sound like alarm clocks to you. <laughs> four times. <laughs> Lotta, you ain't right. What's up, everybody? I'm Gammy, and this is Positively Gam. Every week, I have raw, in-depth conversation with inspirational people pushing for change on everything from aging, relationships, politics, and wellness to the current issues facing the Black community. In this episode, we're going to be discussing comedy, dating, and my favorite thing, weddings! Joining me is Lonnie Love, who is a Detroit native, actress, comedian, author of the book, I Tried to Change So You Don't Have To, and co-host of The Real. She recently joined Wee's hit show, Bridezilla's, as the show's narrator, and is the executive producer and host of Little Women Atlanta Unfiltered, which airs Fridays on Lifetime starting January 29th. Lonnie, welcome to Positively Gam. You're staying so busy in the pandemic. Do you have any time to rest? Oh, my goodness. First of all, can I just say how I just love you? I follow you on Instagram. You encourage me. I see the six-pack, and I'm like, woo, I'm going to get a two-pack. Get a two-pack. Gam got that six, but I'm going to get that two. <laughs> so... <laughs> I know you 
know, don't even worry about that. Everybody doesn't even like a six-pack girl, whatever. But thank you so much. <laughs> okay, so that's what you say. <laughs> it's so nice to meet you, finally. It is nice to meet you as well. And like I said, you look beautiful. Like the listeners can't see you, but you look absolutely beautiful. How did you get into comedy? You know what, Gam? I was unhappy with my life. I was an engineer. I was sitting there at 22, 23 years old. And I had a manager who had had a fatal heart attack. And I never forgot what he told me. He says, live the way you want to live. And when he died, you know, me being that young, being in that atmosphere, I said, I really need to do what I want to do. So I'd already, I had started doing comedy in college and then I decided I was just going to try it. And um, I went down to the Hollywood Improv and I started just Every night, just, you know, I would do my engineering work in the day. I would go to the clubs at night. And it took me about eight years before I was able to get a manager. And then I started doing the road. And one day at my job, we had a layoff. So I went to one of my bosses. I said, you know, save a job and lay me off. And that was in like 2002. And I started doing the road and I never looked back. I never looked back in, in, in engineering. Wow. And that was a risk. It was. That was a risk to quit a regular paycheck. With, with, with dental benefits, because, you know, you know, my mama, my mama's still mad. She's like, <laughs> just, you quit that good job. Because, you know, black mamas, you know what I mean? That's right. They're like, wait. Get you, a you, good, <laughs> you, get, get you a good state paying job. Get you a good government job. Exactly. You're going you gonna to lose your pension, your dental benefits? I said, yes, ma, I'm going to buy my own. I went by my own. So because one day I was signing, I was a closer. I was a um, I had got my way up because I worked for Xerox for eight years and I got all the way up to being um, a manager. And I was a project manager, but I was the closer and I would go in and close the contracts and I would be doing jokes and all kind of stuff. And one day it just hit me. Gam, I was like, I, saw, I was signing a five million dollar contract. And I said, wait a minute. I'm signing a $5 million contract for somebody else. I need to, because uh, I was making about $60,000. I was like, wait, these numbers ain't adding up. And that really encouraged me too, to say, you know what? I have to create my own equity, my own wealth. And that really encouraged me and pushed me. So I did it. During the pandemic, let me ask you if you find it hard being funny during these times when it's been just so... You know, the world is in just such a traumatized space. Yeah, but this is the time that we need comics. This is the time that we need the Dave Chappelle's, the the Kevin Hart's, you know, me. Even, you know, on my show, we try to provide some escapism, but then you have to find, you know, some funny, even in dark times. I mean, our president gave us plenty of things to laugh about. Those tweets... He was he was ridiculous. He was utterly ridiculous. He had something every day that you could literally laugh at. I remember one tweet he sent out and it was like, the reason why we don't want the immigrants is simple. We fool. I was like, wait, we fool. <laughs> Have you been to North Dakota? It's all that land over there in North Dakota. You tell me we fool. We fool. So it's like 
like that's what as comics that's what we're supposed to do we're supposed to make people even in dark times we're gonna make people laugh that's that's our job i'm over here right now <laughs> we fool that's what we can we can't have nobody we fool and then when he walked up there and he walked the, the plane with the toilet paper it's like, how can you not laugh at that? It was so many things to get us through. Even the darkest of times, we could get, as comics, this is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to find some way to help people escape, even if it's just for a mere moment. That's the sign of a good comic. Yeah, I guess you're right. How do you tell, in this time where people are so quick to cancel you, it's a cancel culture, how do you tell jokes you know, and share your point of view without facing the media backlash. Well, you know what? It's called grace and a lot of liquor. <laughs> um, <laughs> you gotta, you know what I mean? It's like the fearless ones are the ones that don't care. They done tried to cancel someone like Chappelle many a times. You know, the thing is, is that we're going to look back on the things that he says and we're going to be like, wow, those were some classics. He was fearless. It's about being real. And sometimes when you are authentic at the time, you don't want to hear that at the time you don't. But the thing is, when you say you're a comic, see, the problem is everybody want to be a comic. And that's not it. There are some people that's professional comics that we need to let them be comics. If you're a congressman, you ain't no damn comic. So stop trying to do jokes. Do your do the lawmaking. Let the comics be the comics. But as far as, you know, cancel culture, if you're a true comic, you can't let that get to you because you're supposed to be fearless in your job. You have to take risks. There's some things that I've said that I've joked about and people which have tried to cancel. But that's just that's what happens when you're in it. That's part of the whole game. You have to deal with the good and the bad. And in the end, people give you grace. They know your heart. They know what you're about. And you deal with it and it blows over. Facts. Now, you encourage people to embrace their flaws and just try to live their life to to the fullest. What was the turning point for you when you made that decision that you were going to live your life for yourself? I think it was when I moved here from college. I had I moved here with my college boyfriend and I was living with him and his mother. That was the first mistake, living with him and his mother. <laughs> and she was going to tell me how to be a lady. And this is what you need to do to keep a man because this is what I did. And I was like, but you killed your husband. You know, he, he had a heart attack. You probably <laughs> killed him because of your mouth. Uh-oh. Anyway. So it was all of these things that a lady is supposed to do, but I just really wasn't happy with myself. It had nothing to do with my partner. It had everything to do with me. And then I started researching and really started asking myself questions about what it, what was it that made me happy? What was the things that I wanted to do? And I started really, you know, getting spiritual and asking God to give me signs. And finally, once I, you know, calmed myself down and I really started listening to him and things just started coming my way that made it easy for me to make decisions. So I left the relationship and I was on my own and I was able to move forward. And that's when I got into becoming an entertainer. That's really interesting because I still struggle with that. I still struggle with feeling free enough to just fully be myself. But why is that? You know, I'm still very concerned with my image. 
and how people see me. I I feel like people have a certain expectation of who I am as Jada's mother. That's been an issue for years. But you know what? The thing is, when I when I watch you, I feel that you are so real and you give us truth. Sometimes we don't want it. But then we can't go back and say, nah, she tripping. You don't be tripping. You be hitting it on the nail. But see, the thing is, in this country, we're living in all these compartments where people like they don't want us to say black women a lot of times. It's like sometimes what we're talking about affects black women. We ain't talking about all women. We're talking about black women. Then they get mad when you do that. But what I like about you, you're like, no, let me tell you, I'm a black woman. This is affected me and is affecting my culture. And sometimes it's hard. I know. I understand that. Being We're talk show hosts. So we're supposed to reveal some things, but then they try to, you know, they sometimes they try to shut you down and make you feel like, no, 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 you being racist or you not being this or you be, it's like, no, can we for one minute talk as a black woman? You are a black woman. You are a mother. You are a survivor. Let you be you. They don't want us to be great sometimes. (laughs) Can we just, for one moment, can we just speak our truth without having to worry about everybody else's feelings? We got feelings too. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. That's all we asking. And this is the thing. It's not like we're saying you not this or you're not great or this woman's not, this a white woman is not great or this Hispanic. We're talking about us for a minute. And that's the thing, for so long, black women have been put, you know, they say we've been put on the bottom. I said, we ain't never been on the bottom. We've always been, you know, there. We've always, we've been taking care of the country. We've always been the backbone. People try to say, oh, the Democratic Party, the black women, we've always been doing that. But then when we try to sit back and give our own little pat on the back, all of a sudden now, oh my God, it's all women. Yeah, all of a sudden that's a problem. Right. And I'm like, it's not a problem. Just let us be great. And we we got y'all. We your sisters too. But let us be over here. Let us, you know, have this moment amongst each other. And that's what we saw when we saw Kamala. When Kamala became vice president, it was like, she's black. Okay. Let us enjoy this for just a moment. And now she's a woman. Now she's in an interracial relationship. Now she's this. But for this one second, let us enjoy the fact that this is another sister that made it through the glass ceiling. Let us enjoy that. And you talk about Kamala being in an interracial marriage. You yourself are in an interracial relationship. How was that like for you? And how did you two meet? We met on a dating app. Really? Yeah, yes, can we met on a dating app, and you know the thing is, for one minute I was only dating certain type of men, and then I stopped five years dating and just concentrated because my relationships wasn't going right because I didn't know myself. That's the problem. It wasn't about the dudes; it was about me and the energy that I was putting in these relationships. I said, I'm going to put into my career. And once I started doing that, my career started blossoming. I started blossoming as a woman. It's never too late, even what you just said it, to learn who you are as a woman. So you have to give yourself that. Once I started doing that, I started, you know, I started getting busy in Hollywood. And then I decided one day I looked around and I said, well, you know, I decided 
purposely not to have kids. I decided purposely not to get married. But, you know, I needed some support in my life because I was going through different situations. It's like you come home and it's like you be on your phone with the girlfriend and she's like, girl, I ain't got time. You <laughs> and you ain't got nobody. You look around, you're like, well, I, where is everybody? I ain't got nobody. Let me find somebody I can talk to. Somebody could be my support. Exactly. How did you decide to use an app? Because I have I have friends that are single that I'm actually trying to convince them to to use a dating app, though I've never used one myself. So what was that experience like? What app did you use and how did you decide what app you were going to use? Well, I wanted an app that was going to be safe because, you know, me being out there in entertainment, there are certain apps non-celebs can use. And I would say, give it a try. I would say, be safe about it, but give it a try. But first, before you do all of that, write down what you want. Write a list of things, of attributes that you really, that really make you happy as a woman. Things that you desire, things that you want. Then I found an app and it's Bumble. And I like Bumble because it's more about me, like I have to reach out to the guy. So that's the whole thing about Bumble. It's not like the, you know, a bunch of guys, a guy can, it's like a bumblebee. So they sting you. You have to approach him. Once he stings you, you have to approach him. And that's what I liked. I'm in control of the situation. And so I was just started dating. I, I was on that app for about a year and a half and it was some ups and downs. You know, but I was really honest with myself. You know, if he had pictures, if the guys had pictures of kids in it or, you know, if he was in the gym, I said, I ain't going to be in the gym. So don't let me even be bothered with him. Don't let me fool myself. You know what I mean? So there were there were certain things that I was just. And so that's how we, you know, I ended up I was dating a couple of guys and James. It was something about him. It was his eyes because I never dated a white guy before, but it was something about his eyes that was just so kind. And then I saw all his pictures were nice. And he just seemed like a really nice guy. So I was like, uh, I'll just send him a little text, you know. And now remember, they they sting you first. So you know that they have some interest in you. It's not you going after him. He he stings you first. Then you you can reply or you 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 don't have to. And so we hit it off. But I was also dating a brother, too. And I liked the brother. But it just turns out that he was a musician. He was busy. He just didn't have time for me. James, on the other hand, as I was and I tell women, I said, date more than once. Don't just get stuck on one person. Say that again. Say that again, Lonnie, because no, seriously, black women, I think at least it was back in my day when I was growing up. It was like we hooked up with one person and honey, you you mind. You know what I mean? And we don't know how to date. And we call dating now women that are trying to date different men. They're they hoes. No, they're just dating. They're dating. They're just dating. And that's what it is. They're just dating. And because in our culture, though, we're we're told that, okay, just be with one person. Because if you, like you just said, if you if you date more than one, because they think you have a sex with them. And it's not always that. And guess what? If you are, you grown. That's, that's your business. Okay. That's your business, okay? Just be safe about it. So you ain't doing all kind of stuff and coming up with stuff. But I try to tell women, how do you know what you what you like if you always doing it one at a time? 
You know what I mean? It's like until you really get to know yourself and know who you are. So I was dating both of them and the brother just didn't work out. But then I was like, wow, this is new and interesting. But he was filling out everything that I wanted on my list of, of getting to know me. You know what I mean? Going to, we went to a concert, a classical concert. He loved it. You know, we're compatible. So it was like, huh, I'm compatible with him. And I'm, and then it just started dawning on me. Damn, we're living in a country that's got all different types of cultures. You mean to tell me we're not going to find each other attractive? We got to stop this. We got to stop this. It's you, you not doing this. You play, you playing out the culture. That's not true. Black men have been doing this for years. That is so true, Lonnie. That is so true. How many times have you been married? I've been married four times. Ooh, wedding bells sound like alarm clocks to you. <laughs> four times. <laughs> Lottie, you ain't right. <laughs> How many times you been married? Yes. I started young. You got to remember, I started young because I was married by the time I graduated from high school because I got pregnant with Jada when I was in high school. So we got married. That was a must back then. Like having an Ill illegitimate child in my family was absolutely unacceptable. It just wasn't going to happen. So I married at 17. That didn't last long. I guess we made it to a year. Maybe not. Wow. Okay. Okay. And then then how, do, how long were your other marriages? My second marriage lasted four years. My third marriage lasted for over 20 years. Oh, okay. Yeah. And now my fourth marriage, we've been married for five years now. Oh, that's sweet. Oh, were you ever a bridezilla? No, I was not. I actually love you or bridezilla. I really do. You be cracking me up. But it feels, Lonnie, this has got to be scripted. There's no way in the world these women can be that crazy. Yes, they are. They are. They, they seriously, they seriously are. And the reason why I wanted to do it was because they were mostly African-American women. This is the 13th season of Bridezilla. And usually they have a white voice. But because this season was predominantly African-American women, they wanted an African-American voice. And I didn't believe it at first either. I said, these girls can't be this crazy. They are. They are straight up because that's their day. That's their one time to be that princess. And they want it right. And it don't ever go right. It don't ever go right. Let's see. My third, I only had, I've been married four times, but I only had two weddings. But my, the last wedding that I had, which, and I always plan everything. It, I'm telling you, it was torrential, torrential rain. And the wedding was supposed to be outside by the water. Oh, no. It was horrendous. I was crying. It was awful. It was awful. But but you had the wedding, though. We had it. My husband got me through it. He just was like, listen, it's going to be OK because we're getting married. It's going to be OK. And we were fine. We were fine. It ended up being a great time for us. We made it work because at the end of the day, 
he really made me focus on the fact that it wasn't about the wedding. See, that's what I'm saying. It wasn't about the wedding. He sounds he sounds like a great guy. That's what I'm talking about. That's what you look for in a partner. But the thing is, okay, after 20 years, what made you want to get married again? Because that 20 years is a lot. It is. It is. I actually enjoy being married. I actually enjoy being married. We just grew apart. And I I had lost my oldest sister. I had lost a cousin who was younger than me. She died from, both of them died from cancer. And I just kind of looked over my life and I was like, there are, I have more years behind me than I have left in front of me. And I just, I got to be happy. And I just, we weren't happy. And I don't even think he recognized it. I don't even think my husband at the time recognized it, that he deserved to be loved the way he needed to be loved, but so did I. Mm-hmm. And, and that's that just tells you how smart and how strong you are because a lot of people stay in long marriages because they feel like we've been together, we might as well stick together, but there's still that happiness, which kind of is the, what I, I like being single. I really, I love the aspect of being single. I love the aspect of being an entertainer, but... I needed that support system. And so then once I found it, I'm like, it's funny because, you know, I make jokes sometimes because I remember one time we were having sex and it was from the back and I and I <laughs> forgot he was white. And people was like, how do you forget he was? I was like, no, because it wasn't about. And then I looked and said, who is this white man? I'm like, oh. Oh, this Honey. oh, that's him. That's James. Hi, James. <laughs> Hi, Alpha. I, I totally understand. <laughs> it's just you know he puts up with me. Oh that's God. it. That's another thing. I don't think too many brothers could be putting up with my jokes. He puts up with all the jokes. Listen, is are you his first interracial relationship? Yes. Yes. Well, and I'm and I'm saying relationship, but did either of you ever date? Outside of the race. No. Because dating doesn't always lead to a relationship. Did you ever date anybody outside of your race? James didn't. Well, he 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 dated Latinas. He liked the, he liked the Latinas. He dated them. <laughs> but then he got over here with the cornbread and the greens. And it was like, yeah, it's a whole new day, player. That's a whole new thing. <laughs> it's a whole new flavor. <laughs> Oh, my God. Lord have mercy. I cannot. I can't do it with you. I cannot. Let me ask you this, though, on a a more serious note. How do you all handle talking about issues of race, especially during these times with the, the Trumpsters and I don't even want to say the increase in white supremacy because it's always been there. It's just coming more to the forefront in the past couple of years. So how do you all manage that? And how do you how do you talk? I just feel like that would be so hard. And then let me just say, too, that there are there are several people in my family that are white. My nieces and nephews have married white. So I don't want to act like we all black over here. We no. There are white people in in my family, and most of them are 
white women and there is one white man. And we do not curb our conversation when it comes to race. I'm not curving or toning down what I say or how I feel because there's a white woman in the room. That's the most important thing. I mean, for me, when I knew that as I was getting to know him, the one thing I was serious about was would he be an ally? I needed to know his political affiliations. I needed to know his his field. That's why you have they, they that's why you have the dating period. The dating period is so important and people don't they I didn't care so much about the money or things like that. I cared about what's your political affiliation? How do you see life? And so once I understood that he was an ally, then we could have conversations. And I'm like you, when all of that was going on, he was upset. And we actually started doing things to try to help. We went out and protest. We made sure that we raised funds, you know, for the Legal Defense Fund for the NAACP. We did all kinds of things together as a couple. But it's important that if you're going to be with a person, that they're your ally. And I'm his ally for certain things. It's important, but I would never give myself to somebody who is a white supremacist or racist or doesn't even simply have my views. Now, when I'm talking about views, I'm talking about views when it comes to racial equality. I believe in equality for all people and I believe in equity for all people. That's why you have to have hard conversations. And I and it wasn't like I went and asked him. I would bring up situations, say, how you feel about this? Or how you feel about that? You know, this is wrong. He was it was wrong. He's like, I can't watch this. This is wrong. And people shouldn't do that. You know, what Trump was doing, he's like, I don't like that. You know, and, and that encouraged me. That let me know that he was serious because people can say one thing, but their actions speak a lot, speak more. So that's, you know, so I'm just like you. I don't curve, you know, I'm, I'm from Detroit. I don't stop. I'm going to say what I want to say. I'm from Detroit. I know. I got a good girlfriend from Detroit. I know about Detroit folks from Detroit. <laughs> We're not scared. We're going to talk. <laughs> exactly. I want to go back and talk about, I want to back up and talk about Bridezilla a little bit more because I, I really get a kick out of that show. And I have to say that I, I wasn't watching it before. I really wasn't. But this season with you on there now, are you just, are you just talking off the top of your head or are you scripting it in advance? Are you just coming off the top of your head with these situations? Well, what happened was initially, you know, they had me going into a studio and then COVID hit. And once COVID hit, we couldn't go into a studio. So I had to go into my closet and I would look at the shows and I just started writing like whatever I saw. And then I would tape it as I was writing it. It's just just being authentic. My my EP is wonderful EP, but he's not black. And so there were certain things that he would try to write. He would try to write some stuff or either. Yeah. And I was like, no, that's just not going to work. And this is the importance of having black creatives and having black creatives behind the camera as well, because there are certain things. It's like, no, we don't say that or we wouldn't do that or something like that. And so that's what you see. And then there were some things that you toned down because it's like, no, we're not going to say that about her. We're not going to do that. 
that's real talk. That's real. That's important. Yeah, that's real talk. I love all things weddings. I love all things wedding, Lonnie. So I told you before the show, I told you that my girlfriend just got engaged. So I'm excited about that. But does being part of the show change your attitude about marriage and weddings? Like, because you have said before that you don't want to get married. Do you still feel that way now that you're in a relationship that seems to be working so well for you? We are so compatible and we're compatible because we're single still. <laughs> it's just, it's just, just like, I'm like, I'm good. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's it. But I like to I like seeing people in love. I like seeing people happy. And that's the reason why I took on the task of being the narrator, because I know for some women, this is their dream to have the beautiful dress and, you know, to have that romantic moment. So I'm like, I'm, I'm with you. I'm like you with your best friend. You want to see it happen. You want to see it happen. So I'm, I'm, I'm like making it happen. We had 13 great brides and it was just all of it. You know, they, they all ended up. There was one girl. Her dad didn't show up. It was one girl. Her dad didn't show up. But other than that, you know, we had we had some great weddings and everybody was happy. Thank you so much, Lonnie. I have enjoyed this conversation. You are hilarious. I just didn't want to show up at the red table because when you show up at the red table, it's an issue. We were like, okay, Jada. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Gam, Willow, this is what I feel. So I just... I was like, yes, I will come on. I will come on Gam show, but that red table, because I know it's a problem. It's going to be a problem if I'm sitting there looking across at you and Jada. I'm like, okay. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. We love you. We love you, Lonnie. We're going to do the Wouldn't You Like to Know segment. Tell me what book you're currently reading. Uh, The Promised Land, Barack Obama. Oh, okay. Okay. Ooh, that's a long one. Are you reading it or are you listening to it? I'm reading it. I need to get the words. I need to, you know, I try to improve my vocabulary. So, you know, Obama used big words. So it's like, ooh. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Okay. What's one thing you want to get off your chest? (sighs) One thing I want to get off my chest. Wear your damn mask the correct way. Some of y'all got the mask hanging down here. You corona all up in your damn nose. Some of you, you dirty, got dirty masks, got old masks. Keep it clean. Wear it the right way. And some of y'all need to make sure that the mask fit. You know, us plus size people, it's like the, the mask just be covered like right here. You know, especially I see a bunch of men a lot of times because they they got bigger faces and it's just it's like the beard and all this is like, no, get a mask that's going to cover all that up and wear it right. That's who I need to get that. Thank you. And at the end of the day, it's important. It's important that we all do our part if we're going to get through this pandemic. Last question. What's a motto that you live by? The motto that I live by, speak the truth, even if your voice shakes. Ah, all right. Now unpack that a little bit. 
Yeah. Even if you don't think that you have the vocabulary, even if you think you sound like, ooh, or you do a bunch of ums, if it's the truth, still speak it. It does not matter. Don't let nobody stop you from telling your truth. That's what's important. Wow. I love that. I love that. That's a word. I need to remember that for myself, for myself, because self-confidence is something that I still struggle with. Before we go, please tell people, I know they know, but please share with people where they can see you on social media and what you have coming up. Okay, you can follow me at Comic Lonnie Love on IG, or you can follow me at uh, Lonnie Love on Twitter, and I do answer people back. My new show is called Little Women Atlanta Unfiltered. It's the after show. It's my first executive produced show, so it's going to be on Lifetime Fridays, like 11. So I'm just so excited for that. And of course, The Real, you can check your local listings in the daytime. So, and this season 13 of RuPaul's Drag Race. I am a guest judge. Because of COVID, I got asked back like four times. Um, it's a wonderful season. It's some wonderful queens. So check us out on VH1 on Fridays. Absolutely. I love RuPaul's Drag Race. We will definitely be looking for you there. Thank you so much, Lonnie. So these are my takeaways after my fun conversation with Lonnie Love. Number one, when choosing a mate, it's more about finding someone who you're compatible with. You should be an ally to each other, regardless of race. Number two, it may take you a minute to get there, but it is totally freeing to live life fully in acceptance of who you really are. And number three, these are difficult times for sure, but laughing can be the best medicine. Thank you to my guest, Lonnie Love. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate and review. Follow me on my Instagram at Gammy Norris to share with me your thoughts on the episode. I'm here, I'm talking, and I'm laughing. As always, stay grateful, y'all. Positively Gam is produced by Westbrook Audio. Executive producers, Adrian Banfield Norris, Jada Pinkett-Smith, Amanda Brown, and Fallon Jethro. Co-executive producer, Sim Hoti. Associate producer, Erica Ron and Crystal Devone. Editor and mixer, Calvin Bailiff. Positively Gam is in partnership with Art19.